Everybody and welcome back to the Snap No Tap podcast. I'm sorry we have been unavailable the last few weeks, three weeks or whatever. Um, I have some breaking news uh, to get into in a moment, but we have always Joe Cardinal, the one and only, the living legend, um, the human statue, uh, and we have a returning special guest, uh, Mr. Fitness. <laughs> Martin Witkowski, big old Martin's here, and uh, welcome back, guys, and happy Memorial Day weekend to everybody that's watching here in America. That's for those of you who aren't from the USA. This is when we pay tribute, actually, tomorrow, um, I think, to, uh, yeah, tomorrow, Monday, um, to our uh, soldiers, sailors, and Marines, all of our veterans that have gave their life for... uh, for us, you know, for, for, for everyone. So, um, and this is our unofficial start of summer. So the, the beaches in Chicago opened, uh, I believe I don't live so too far from the chain of lakes, maybe 20 minutes. They, they opened up. Uh, so yeah. Um, well, I might as well just finish talking really quickly and we can get Joe Martin here. Um, <clears throat> Three weeks ago, Friday, <clears throat> the inevitable finally happened. Uh, my mother took a horrible turn, and it just seemed like <clears throat> that week, um, all week, she was really, really bad mentally, you know. Um, and I had to, I had to reach out to people. I didn't want to get her to take into the hospital via. My cars were broken down. First of all, I didn't have a car. My car was broken down, <clears throat> so. Uh, I had a, I called senior services and asked them what to do. And they're like, you know, she needs to be in an, in an emergency room. I'm like, they're going to kick her loose. She said, well, then call the doctor's office. I called the doctor's office, talked to uh, a nurse named Ashley. And she's like, absolutely. Your mother needs to go in. They need to keep her overnight for a psychiatric evaluation. Just get her in there, call 911, get her in there and we'll take it from there. So I did. Against my better judgment, I called 911. They came and got her. They took her in. And like I said, a few hours later, they're releasing her. And I went off. I went off on the attending physician there, and he's blaming my mom's doctor that my mom's doctor released her, which he did. He's a piece of shit, okay? Aaron Narang did this to my mother, all right? That's the guy. And he didn't give two shits about my mother's health. He didn't care. All right. Because all he cares about is, is fucking money. That's all these pieces of shit care about. 
and I'm pissed about it because my mother suffered because of it. She came back home and she turned on the gas stoves and the burners and was going through putting flowers all over the house and acting all goofy at two o'clock in the morning, going out the door. I live across the street from a lake because they wouldn't keep her in the hospital because she was medically okay. So I'm panicking at 2.30 now in the morning when I'm trying to get everything calm. I had been going on over 60 hours with no sleep to get her help. Everybody, all the agencies are closed. I'm, I'm, I can't call 911 again. They won't do anything. So I got a hold of an advocate, which is advocate health or something, and um, – some nurse called me back. She was in Wisconsin, the nurse. And, you know, I'm like, I can't go back to sleep. I've got to stay up. She said, when senior services opens at 8 a.m., call them. I said, okay, this is now Friday morning, three weeks ago. And I had had it. And thanks to the, the, the two people at, Senior services put me in touch with uh, adult protective services, Megan. Um, they guaranteed me that they were going to keep my mother overnight and try to get her into a long-term care facility. And they did. So Scott came over because I told you I didn't have a car. And I, we, drove my mother in. We didn't call 911. We drove her in. We had everything prearranged at the emergency room. I had talked to the people at the emergency room. We had talked to the, Scott had called the nursing home to get that set up for me. So at least he helped me there. That was very appreciative. So, um, so my mom ended up in a nursing home and that's where she'll be. And within one week, she, she's, she's went even further down bodily fluids she doesn't have control of it anymore that never happened before now that's occurrences and they have an outbreak of covid i get automated calls every day with the updated list it keeps growing it went from one to 22 now and this is a small nursing home i I don't know how many patients maybe 60 okay so over a third of the of the patients have COVID. She's vaccinated all the way through it, you know, um, but I'm pissed at her doctor because, you know, this isn't the first time that they kicked her out of the emergency room because she was okay. Maybe, just maybe, if they would have given her the appropriate help psychologically um, and put her in a short-term facility. Okay, this is the key because her Medicare and her um, Humana would cover short-term, up to 90 days, I think Medicare would cover. We, I could have had time to get things together. I could have gotten her a better place to go. Uh, I could have, you know, looked for a roommate or looked for a job as opposed to having everything dropped on me like that because of her doctor who doesn't care. He just doesn't, he just doesn't care. He did just, I mean, I tried to call him. They told me to call him in the middle of the night, you know, on the the voice, uh, the uh, whatever they call that shit. 
and his, his, his assistant or some other guy calls me back. He didn't even have the guts to call me back. And I went off on his assistant. I said, this is malfeasance. May not be malpractice, but it's malfeasance because you just don't give a damn about a poor 81-year-old lady. You don't care. So I'm sorry for going off, but man, these people just don't care. I'll say it again. They don't care. So I can't even go see my mom because of the COVID outbreak. Um, whatever. So that's part of the reason why none of you guys have seen me. Um, and of course, Joe was tied up uh, with his, he'll talk about that. I'm sure about his wrapping up his EMT training. But uh, I mentioned to you guys before about this. If you ever get in a position that I'm in, get as much help as you can. I had no help throughout all of this, okay? And that, and my, because of that, I could only do so much. And my mom suffered. And I think if she would have had help for sure and a better medical attention throughout all of this, she'd have been better off. Because Scott's dad is 91. He's 10 years older than my mother. He's got Alzheimer's. And he's fine, relatively. You know, you wouldn't know that he has Alzheimer's. And he got diagnosed with it before my mother. So anyway, well, although my mom had gotten diagnosed with the dementia years ago, you know, but anyway, that's it. Um, I am. I'm pissed. So I got to hope for the best with my mom. Can't talk to her because they don't have phones and she doesn't know me anyway. I only saw her once when I was in there or when she was in there. And then, um, yeah, then the COVID starts. Okay, <laughs> now that's it. So what's up, guys? Well, I think I can speak on behalf of everybody. That, yeah, we're sorry that you and your mom had to go through that. I mean, there's, that's, it's tragic. And I know your situation was particularly difficult because you guys were isolated, both, you know, uh, with relationships and geographically. There was a lot of things that compounded the problem and made it worse. But I mean... Well, let me just add for people out there that may be kind of curious about certain things. So when you have dementia or any, probably any kind of illness, but in my mom's case, the Alzheimer's and dementia where they could, you know, be in danger, um, adult protective services laid it out. I mean, a long time ago that if I were to leave this house to do anything like to go work and anything and something happens, she takes off or just whatever. I will be charged with negligence and abuse and not just me as anybody. And they're bound by law to do that. Okay. And she had mentioned, you know, it, it happened to some other families where they actually had families and, and the patient would still get out. And they felt bad for me because I'm in a unique situation. They never dealt with this before where I'm the only sole survivor here, the only family member period. So they, they took me, they took my, opportunity to earn a living away from me you know i didn't get any subsidies i didn't get any government money nothing all right and so i was relying on the internet which is nothing nobody buys your products anymore they all download them and pirate them it's rare when it happens um and i was begging pleading with people to at least sign up for training where they could come to the house here a couple guys you know like justin brown did and um so I'm, I'm very appreciative, but for the most part, I, I wasn't making any money. I wasn't making any income. Nobody signs up Harley for the membership site. Um, everybody promises, but they, they don't, nobody does anything. 
So it, it was so it was really a difficult period for me. So now here I am, uh, struggling to try to find a roommate so I can cover the rent here. And you know I've been going on looking for jobs. And I actually interviewed at a martial arts school that's not quite open yet on Friday. We could talk about that later if you want, but that didn't pan out for me. I chose not to do it uh, for many reasons. But nice people, though the owners are great. I, uh, they're not martial artists, but. I wish them success, and as I said in my email to them, anything I can do to help them, I will. But um, so yeah, it's 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 sad that my mom and yeah, us being isolated. I'm anti-rural. I'm very very anti-rural because I, this wouldn't have happened in Chicago or any big city or even a probably a suburb that where you know people tend to help you out more in the city. I know that kind of goes like people think it's the opposite way. I've been here eight years. And I mean, everybody here knows what on the street knows what's happening, but except for my one neighbor across the street who once in a while would bring over some Mexican food, he's Mexican um, and a nice guy, Jerry, uh, no help. So to the rural. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, like I said, there's a lot to respond to with that. Obviously just overall, just kind of, hearing you go through all this over the the years it is shocking how unclear the process is and how things are just not in place you know it clearly i mean there's specific things that are unique to your situation but in general our population is getting a lot older and a lot of people you know at a certain point are going to get a point where they they or their family cannot take care of them and You know, the fact that you're being bounced around to different ERs, to, you know, not having a clear direction as to what to do, it's to me, it's just ridiculous. Um, it should be, there should be a clear understanding of what, how to handle the situation. Um, and it's clear that there isn't that process. And that's, you know, just, just another, you know, flaw in our system uh, that where people are, you know, lives are being horribly impacted by this. And you couldn't get a caretaker to come out here. Uh, the, the few that I had, they were mostly, they didn't last long. They quit. Uh, or I went for long stretches without one. And then when COVID was, uh, you know, that was another issue. And yeah, uh, I'm really isolated. I'm truly in the middle of nowhere. I mean, Martin knows he came over for the first time last week. He knows now where I'm at. I mean, this is like, you know, the boonies, but you know, um, yeah, this is just, it's not set up for, for anything like this. <clears throat> I'm convinced that my mom would probably not have deteriorated as rapidly if she would have had uh, the attention in the beginning. She, now this doctor, this last doctor was not her doctor the whole time out, okay, out, out here. She got kicked over to him because her previous doctor somehow got like a promotion and my mother, this is before she was really bad, bad, bad. I mean, she was bad, but she saw a commercial on TV for something, Humana or one of these things. So she, this is back when I still had the home phone activated. She picked up the phone and called them and changed her policy. Okay. Without my knowledge. And so she got wiped out of that other doctor's, uh, you know what the terms are, Joe. You work for a hospital, damn it. The the network or whatever mm-hmm. it's called. 
So she ended up having to find another doctor. And she found this guy who just, you know, I don't know. He dropped the ball with my mother and, and, you know, he had an attitude. As a matter of fact, I know he did because even he had an attitude with adult protective services. He got cocky. He shouldn't get cocky because he's the one who fouled this up. He could have kept my mother overnight, could have got her in a short-term care place or whatever. It's funny how it happened the very next day, right? When, when adult protective services basically said, you're doing it, period, pal. And then Mr. Tough Guy Doctor kind of like, okay, don't, you know, scum. He could have taken care of my mother a long time before that. But anyway. Yeah, it's, it's just so surprising to me because clearly you've reached out to multiple sources for help. And it just seems like, and again, I, you know, even though I work in healthcare, I really don't know a lot. I mean, it's, it's funny, like I said, working in this EMT, how much I don't know about how things work. Um, but it seems like when someone shows up at the ER and says, I can no longer take care of my elderly relative, there should be a process in place where they become, you know, basically a ward of the state. Um, and I, like I said, I don't know, I'm not a lawyer or a, I don't know healthcare, but it seems like, um, there should be a clear process, easy to follow. Um, and I guess it's too much to ask, but you know, you know, uh, um, I'm just, yeah, it's shocking to hear that all of the back and forth that I had to go through. Um, well, and I got no help from anybody else. I mean, Hey, I was born and raised a Catholic Catholic charities. They, cause they told me to reach out to them for help. Nothing. Okay. Uh, a couple other agencies that I reached out to, they never even bother calling me back. Okay. Um, when I wanted, they have like these volunteers, I pay 50 bucks to go on an internet to, to get the names of, you know, like volunteers or whatever that would come over for an hour or so, uh, none, zero, nobody would deal with, first of all, there was none around here. Uh, the closest was like 20 some miles. There was another one that was in crystal Lake and she just refused. She didn't want to deal with, um, Alzheimer's patients. So I got no help there. Uh, all I wanted was somebody to come over for an hour or so, uh, once or twice a week to bathe my mother and to allow me to get out and go and go shopping. Okay. Just to get food and shit. Um, I've become a big, I think the only person that helped me and he doesn't even know he helped me is Jeff Bezos because I've been relying on Amazon throughout all of this for, you know, getting stuff shipped because I can't go, I can't go anywhere. And, Really, there's no stores out here outside of Home Depot and Walmart and Meyer, you know. But regardless, um, yeah, there was just no help throughout any of this. Uh, sucks. So, Tony, I, we've talked about this before, but like people from other geographies might not realize that like the U.S. doesn't have a system of um, mental hospitals that are publicly funded, right? Like not anymore. This is something that Ronald Reagan got rid of. Um, yeah. Can you talk about a little, like, you know, this is something that you would see in movies, like people going into these loony bins, they call them or, yeah. or whatever, like classic movies, it's, like uh, One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest. Right. Uh, <clears throat> can you like imagine what the situation would be if that system still existed? Like, could it be a shock absorber for this, you know, what, cacophony of, problems that happened all at the same time with no, no outlet. Could, could that system had it existed been a bit of help? 
Yeah, I think so. And I think it would stem a lot of other problems that we're having because when it's, when it's, uh, when it's, when you're relying on, um, let's say insurance or something, it gets really complex. Now there is a, there is a mental hospital that I'm aware of um, called Chicago Behavioral Hospital or something to that effect. It's technically in Des Plaines. I don't believe that's a state hospital, okay? But the situation, at least in, for what he, with this uh, scenario, there were n- even short-term rehabilitation hospitals, um, nursing home types wouldn't accept my mother because they had to have it specifically um, memory loss units because those units are secure. Allegedly the doors are locked so they can't get out and all, all of that kind of jazz. And that's where a state hospital, like you're referring to a mental hospital. I don't want to make it sound like it was a, like it's a prison or they were prisons, but perhaps, you know, there were, there were higher security where, you know, you can't just walk allegedly, you can't just walk in and walk out. And I think we need that. Um, I think that has to happen. Or there has to be at least hospitals, larger hospitals, that have a floor or a unit that's a psych ward that can hold maybe even 10 people. Um, because, you know, what if, what if you, you, you're genuinely you genuinely have a mental illness or what if it's, uh, you know, drug related or, or something, they, they seem to have dry out facilities, you know, re, you know, detox for alcohol and drugs. Um, you know, my, my one friend was in it through the VA. He went to a VA, um, but it was like six weeks, but I don't have an answer, Martin, because I was asking all these questions and it seems like no one had the answer for me. Um, and it's very frightening. It's very upsetting. And I, I'm, I'm doubling down now that I personally would never put anybody in the position that I was in. Meaning if, if, if I get to where I need to have somebody take care of me, be it a girlfriend, a wife, or, you know what, I don't want them to have to go through, you know, what, what I had to go through with my mother. Um, it's just, it's, it's rough. Uh, I, I had a candid talk with some lady. I went, I'm assuming she's my age, around my age. She's, she's a, a flight attendant, really. Um, she's like, I can never do that. I can never take care of anybody. She says, I took care of my mom once for about a month, and she wasn't bad at all. It was just she needed a place to stay. She was in between homes or something. She says, I couldn't do that. And I told her, I said, well, I hope your boyfriend realizes this because they just got engaged. I'm like, I, I hope you've had this talk with him because I think he's entitled to know that if shit hits the fan with this guy, you're not going to be there for the guy. So it, it's, 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 we need to do something, Martin, because not you and me specifically, but just in general, this country needs to straighten up that there's, this has been going on for too many years. You're right. It started, I think Reagan closed them all. And then they try to kick it. This is part of the problem with Chicago. The mayors are like, Hey, these health clinics are gone and we're supposed to fund them. We don't have the money to do it. Where are these people supposed to go? So many of them go untreated or they become homeless. All right. Right. Um, And they don't need to be homeless. They need to be in an institution getting treatment or at least 
getting care of some sort. So in the case of my mother, because of the fact that she only had Medicare and, and Humana, she had no property or anything like that, thankfully. Really, I'll get to that, what I mean by that. Um, it's Medicaid funded. So they take everything, okay? Now, if she owned a car, which she doesn't, they'd have taken that. If she owned a house, which she doesn't, they'd have taken, they would, all of that would have been taken, okay? And they have a five-year clause. <clears throat> they go back five years. And um, so th that's to prevent some fraud. Let's say you have a million-dollar home and you just give it to your kid. They, they're, they're wise to that. So the sad thing is everything you may have worked for will be, will be gone. And that's because I, you would think Medicare, you know, that's a big name. You would have thought Medicare would have, would have prevented something like this. They would have had that option to cover my mom in this nursing home. They don't. And, and Humana doesn't. Uh, Humana didn't even pay for um, caregivers. That, that wasn't even in, in, in her in that. So um, to anybody that's out there, even if you're my age or younger, you need to start preparing for all of this, if not for a loved one, but for yourself. Uh, I, I met one guy out here, Ken. He's an older guy. His son's an actor. Cool. But he has money. Okay, lots of money. And when he, he said when he put his wife in the first nursing home, it was $7,500 a month. And then he was able to find a cheaper one that was like 4500 a month. Okay. Well, my mom, you know, we just didn't have the ink. We don't, I wasn't allowed to work. She wasn't, you know, she didn't have the money. So, so she got the Medicaid thing. Thank for, thank, I mean, we got to be thankful for that. But let me ask you this, Martin, or Joe. Joe should know. He's in the hospital business. What, what if my, what if she didn't, what, what if she didn't qualify for Medicaid? What, what if she just had like a thousand dollars too much or something like that? Right. Then what would have happened? Out on the street, right? I or, mean, there's or, no other, no one, no, no one else cares. No, but no one else cares. Or I would have still been stuck here forever without, you know, I would have cracked up. I would have lost my mind. I would have been the guy that probably would have ended up dead from a heart attack or stroke. They even said that the, the nurses said that, that, you know, People in my position, because you get all this anxiety, this and that, you don't sleep, you can't, you can't, you know. Um, and that's why I, I have, I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but I have no, uh, I don't feel sorry for anybody who bitched and complained about the, the, the COVID or, we're, we're, you know, we're trapped, we're locked in. Bullshit. I was locked in, okay, 24-7. I was locked in without even a chance of doing anything unless I had somebody watching. And then even that. You know, with 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 the stuff that happened with the different caretakers and, and how my mom was, you know, sometimes put at risk. You know, so I, I never had a peaceful moment. Um, but sadly, I mean, parts of it should be okay that my mom is around other people. You think it's a good thing, right? But now with this COVID thing, all, all of a sudden, when she goes in, um, I don't know. So once the COVID, once it, the numbers come down again, Hopefully she'll be okay. Then I can get back in there and, and at least see her. She won't know me. She doesn't know me. Doesn't matter. I want to get in there and see my mom. 
you know, and kind of to both your guys' point, in my understanding, I've just kind of heard this anecdotally from, well, I think I've heard it in the news too, honestly, but I have some friends who work in the fire service and things like that, but a lot of these people just end up in the prison system, you know, um, especially, you know, if they're the mental illness, if they don't have, a, if we don't have a place for them, a bed for them, you know, they end up on the street, uh, the cops or somebody ends up being called for them and they end up, you know, it's, be, we just have a lot of like, poor workarounds in place right now you know that are causing i think more harm than good because I, I i guess you know i guess it's hard not to get political with this but clearly we're not willing to spend the money what it takes to get this done you know and um uh yeah uh you know people now instead of going to regular doctor's appointments wait till they get too sick i mean the public option you have to go to the er all the time and that's not cost effective at all and then, yeah, a lot of people with mental issues, if they, I mean, at least your mom had you, you know, there are people who are just on their own and they just walk out, you know, well, that'll be me, I'll, you know, but uh, let me add this. So Friday, Friday, I get a phone call from a lady from my mom's doctor's office confirming her appointment on May 31st. I said, my mom's in a nursing home. Your, your, your boss, your, you know, the doctor, he signed off on it. She's in a nursing home. Oh, okay. Sorry, I, we didn't know. Click. Two minutes later, a guy calls. Same doctor's office. Calling about the appointment. I'm like, dude, she's in a nursing home. She's been in a nursing home three days, or three weeks today. This was on Friday. This was two days ago. I said, it, you were her 100% total doctor, Okay. She didn't see 10, 20 different doctors. She saw your office. You guys signed off on putting her in the nursing home. How do you not know this? And, and then, so, so then I, he goes, well, I mean, are, are you, are you going to bring her in? I'm like, am I going to bring her in? She's in a nursing home, man. What, what don't you get? Walmart canceled all her prescriptions. Humana's no longer sending, you know, her prescriptions because the nursing home is taking care of all of that. I said, you've got to call the nursing home and get a hold of them and find out what they're going to do. Now, either cancel the appointment, reschedule. I don't know. I don't care what you do, but I, I am not a part of that. I can't, I can't walk in there and, and just take her to take her wherever I want to take her. That's not how these things work. I shouldn't have to explain this to this guy. He works for the, doc, for the doctor. And then I brought up the COVID too. So um, I said, I can't even get in there even if I wanted to with this COVID thing going on. So yeah, it, it's like, it's just messed up. The whole thing is messed up. It's just messed up, man. And, um, and I can tell you what, nobody gives a shit. They like to talk about families, families, families. You know what? All lies, nobody cared. I mean, near the end, the, the girls at senior services and um, the one at adult protective services, they tried, they tried to get respite care for me, which never, ever happened. And what that was, they were going to try to come up with the funding to put my mom temporarily somewhere for up to six weeks. That's what they were hoping because six weeks would have given, they thought would have given me time to a get a roommate, B find a job. Okay, because no matter what everybody tells you, 
jobs are not plentiful, especially where I live. Okay. And the ones that are, you can't make a living on it. They're $11, $12 an hour jobs. Well, the respite, it never came through. All these years I've been waiting for it. And I kept warning them, you got to do something. You got to, you got to get me some help. Never did. So the day, Thursday, the day before I, she went in, that's, I told you, I called them and, you know, I, I needed help. That's when they were throwing all this on me. They're like, I think my, my, my manager may approve the care, the uh, respite, but she'll be in there for a few weeks and then immediately transfer to long-term care. I'm like, that's fine. I just need her to get some help and I need relief. I need help. Well, it just never happened because the next day they, they, they put her in. I never did get the respite care. I already got the bill. I already got a bill that I got to pay. How am I going to do this? I called them on Friday. No answer or voicemail. They never called me back. I get it. It's a holiday weekend. The bill's due June 3rd. How am I going to do this? I'm not working. So what now? Let's get back to you, Martin. What are they going to do? Throw her out? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not being a smart ass. I don't know because I can't get a hold of anybody. So, um, and the head, even though she's out here, the billing departments on Peterson in Chicago. So I, I don't know, but you know, there, there, there has to be, there has to be something. Hi, Jerry. How are you, buddy? That's the neighbor that, the Mexican neighbor that gives me food now and then. I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. Just play it by ear, roll with the punches. Yeah, I was um, witness to a, a few incidents on uh, the CTA, and one of them was some guy was on the speakerphone with his mother, and the guy looked like he got out of county lock lockup or municipal lockout because you know he had decent clothes on but his shoelaces were missing whatever and his mother was yelling at him to go see his doctor because he was running out of medication and he was clearly having some kind of a mental episode but he told his mother he's gonna go up down to see his friends and i'm guessing at some point he will do something criminal he'll have cops called on him and he'll get hauled off to jail again Again, office medication and probably not acting in his right mind. So there's that shock absorber missing. You know, nobody can call in and say, okay, we need mental health services for this guy to straighten him up and put him back on his medication again. It's, it just goes from one extreme to another, right? He's fine. He's doing okay. And then he's off. He's riding the train. He's ending up in, in lockup and who knows what the consequences are. Well, that's another thing. You know, I, I wasn't even able to get my own health. I couldn't go see a doctor. I couldn't do anything. Couldn't leave her. And then I know that, you know, like it's too late probably to surgically repair my arm. But even if I, if let's just say they could, well, now I'm really out of commission. You know, now I can't even do anything around the house for my mother. Right. So this incident that you're talking about, you know, with this guy, he probably felt in his, in his heart and soul being my friend right now in Uptown. It's probably what I need. And a lot of people are like that. You know, I'm kind of stubborn too, unless it's like when I blew my arm out with Joe at the gym, I knew I had to get to the hospital. But normally, I mean, I don't go to the doctors. It's rare. 
Yeah, well, but this guy might not be in his right mind. Right? That's like, it. He's that's off his medication. Yeah, so, somebody needs to force him there, you know, um, uh, somehow. And, you know, it, it's just, it's really, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a twisted situation. And our country is so divided, and it's not just divided down the middle. There's sections. I mean, there's, it's really like a jigsaw puzzle. It's all, and, and, and everybody just is so adamant that their way is the right way, and, and everybody else that doesn't think is our enemy. So you don't quite have that camaraderie, that unison. All right. That we may have had, let's say, during World War Two or something. Um, I don't know. I'm not a political scientist. Uh, I'm not a sociologist. Okay, I'm just a guy that's that that knows a whole bunch of people from all over the world like you do, Martin. Probably you, too, Joe. So I get to see the different races and the creeds and all of that um, religions. And because let's face it, Cleveland, Joe, you know that Cleveland was a melting pot. Chicago's a melting pot. I spent 50 years in, in these melting pots. Um, so you're, you can't help but be, you know, to get diversity. And I've always been curious. I want to know, well, you're from Mexico. Tell me all about it. Or you're from Bolivia. I want to hear about it. Uh, I, I'm not going to get into, you know, this rah, rah, rah stuff. All I know is that if I can help somebody, I'll try my best to help. Uh, I wish there was more people like that. There just just seems to be like everybody's trying to like pull back. I don't know. You're right, though. Hopefully this is something we can. There's no no overnight fix, but the divisiveness in our country is something we have to get over. And the, the not willingness to compromise or see past our differences. It's a huge okay. problem. I, I just I just got a text now, not to change the subject, but I just just now got a text. Walmart RX reminder, time to refill RX mid, MID, whatever. Uh, I'm getting, you know, and then if I would, well, I'm not going to re- re- refill it, but if I did, they, they cancel it. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's about that from my mom's meds, you know. But yeah, you're on your own, really. And this is what I try to tell people with like martial arts. I'm not going to be there probably to fight your fight when you have to use it. Martin will tell a story. He got into it this week, almost with some guy on the street. Let Martin tell you about that in a moment, but I wasn't there for Martin, but at least some of the stuff I told taught him. I mean, go ahead. Tell him what happened, Martin. It wasn't a tell him. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not, not a big deal, but like I was saying earlier, like Chicago at this point is, a pretty rough place in terms of the number of criminals and just mental cases on the street. So there was a guy that basically took a swing on me for no good reason at all on the street. I was walking out of work. I was checking my phone, which you're not really supposed to do because I didn't have my eyes on the ball the entire time. But this guy was egregiously bizarre and acting weird to the point where I didn't completely take my eyes off of him. And as he was passing me, he, he took a swing at me. And I, you know, because I still had my eye on him, I managed to just duck out of the way. And he sort of, I sort of spun and danced away from him. At which point he started yelling obscenities at me. And, and the guy next to me said, yeah, I saw what he did. I saw he tried to hit you. Just keep walking, walk away from him. He's no good. And, you know, that, that was the extent of it. Because 
at the end of the day, these are people with nothing to lose. They got nothing going on. They have probably some kind of an episode and they're just looking to fill the void with clipping pedestrians on the street. Well, the, the thing that struck me is, you know, I mean, most people that try to hit you are people who actually get to know you. Once they get to know you, we all want to hit you. So here's this total stranger that wanted to hit you. Why? Maybe he was, uh, you know, he knew what was coming. He knew he wouldn't <laughs> like me. Yeah, right. Well, you know, but the thing is, this kind of ties into, I got to be treading careful here because I don't want to offend a, a couple of nice people. But when you're, I, I went on my first job interview in 35 years. Okay. My last job interview was like September, I think of 1987. So almost 35 years ago. I mean, I went on some music auditions, but not really auditions. Kind of like you sit in, you jam. You're not really auditioning. You're just jamming for the hell of it. And Oh, Hey, I want you in my band, but they're, they're going to be opening up a, a franchise martial arts school. And, you know, franchise martial arts generally have a, bad reputation you know uh but no matter what school it is a, a chain or a independently owned school um you got to produce the goods you know you just got to know how you really have to self-defense you have to know how to do it because even if you're in a sport gym and that's your bag that sport gym is taking the time away from you that you could be doing legitimate like self-defense stuff and you don't even have to do the self-defense every day, five days a week at the, at the school for five years. You do, but you do have to immerse yourself in it, you know, six months to a year to really, you know, get the grasp of all that's happening. Because Chicago's not an outlier. Statistically speaking, Chicago's not even one of the most dangerous cities in America. There's far more dangerous cities. And it's not just a Democratic city. There's Republican areas, too, you know, red counties or red, red states. Look at Texas with the shootings just now. Um, so you, you have to just quit labeling things and just say, hey, as long as I'm breathing air on earth, I could run into some trouble. And you have to be prepared for it. And, but as, to Martin's point, yes, things are getting worse, not better. Things are not, you know, they were, they were getting better in the 90s or maybe early 2000s, where the last several years, it's been getting worse. So um, I beg of anybody out there that if you're looking for martial arts training, please take it seriously. Make sure there's a good uh, focus on legitimate, real-world self-defense training. It doesn't have to be every workout. But you've got to get it in there. And, and, and especially, guys, you, you sport grapplers out there, you're terrific on, on that stuff. But it is not self-defense. Please don't think it is. It is not. And, and I, you know, this has been my, my mission for 30 years almost, is to show the real shit. Because it, it, I've, I've been on the tail end of the, uh, of the, the, the beatings, right? I've, I've gone through it all. So I, I'm telling you, not, this is not a laboratory with me. It, it, I'm telling you real world shit. So do it. Self-defense can happen anywhere. And most of the time it happens close to home. Or like in Martin's case, by his job, his work. This wasn't some 
random neighborhood that he'll never go in again. Okay. This shit hit, hits close to home. So you got to be prepared. And I'll say kind of following up on that, you know, it's it, that Martin's story illustrates that sometimes just having some fundamental skills can keep you safe. Just having your footwork to get out of the way, knowing how to, to be in a stance, how to protect yourself from just a random punch. You know, uh, we've talked about this before on the podcast where a lot of people, you know, are, you know, carry guns and things and that's their line of defense. Well, in this situation, you wouldn't have drawn that gun. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't, you wasn't, your life wasn't in jeopardy, but you, you want to have those intermediate skills to keep you safe. Like I'm sure Martin, you know, after the initial surprise maybe of the, uh, the attack probably felt safe. He knew he could move and defend and, and probably block anything this guy was going to throw. Even if he didn't want to engage this guy now that he, he has identified the threat. And it's that, you know, when you talk about the skill set that you need, you know, having the footwork and, and, and the awareness, you know, where other people could be calling 911, um, getting those fundamentals drilled into you, it, it just like I said, this really illustrates it that, you know, um, that those are the things that will keep you safe. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, yeah. And, and it doesn't take, you're not, you're not going to try to become the next heavyweight boxing champion of the world, right? You just need your, and, and let's focus, you know, this is something else I wanted to, to tell you guys, <clears throat> and especially Martin, because Martin works with me. We're, we do the Zoom, and I give him lessons every week, uh, boxing-oriented, but it's a combination of boxing and conditioning. But <clears throat> with rare with rare exceptions, if you look through the history of boxing, you can have, let's, let's say, like a club fighter, you know, a guy with a 500 record or maybe even a losing record, you know, uh, you know, a, a tomato can, right? Um, and he might fight a, a far superior fighter, but he's not getting knocked out in five seconds normally, okay? He may go around two rounds, three rounds, four rounds before it's over. This is the single most important thing I can tell anybody, if I can reach anybody with that is that a street fight should not last that long. So even if you got your skill set up to a club fighter level, a boxing level, right, where what the hands are right and all this, that's enough, okay? You're only talking about lasting 35, 40 seconds, whatever, maybe a minute. Of course, I'm. yes, there's exceptions, but let, just stay with me here. So if you can just have your guard up and, you know, be be – okay for that amount of time you're fine in a street fight okay because the the, the the thing out of the street fight the only victory in a street fight is that you get away basically unscathed okay if possible right that's that's how you win not you know necessarily defeating your opponent so much right uh again in different circumstances it would be a different thing if this guy's a, a nut job and he's trying to take out everybody then it's your responsibility to take him out so, yeah, you know, you don't have to spend 20 years learning all of this stuff, but you do have to learn it. You got to be exposed to it. You got to be immersed in it. You got to be planted in it. You know, you got to see, I was raised in that bad neighborhood. So I, I had an advantage over most martial artists nowadays who were raised. Many of them are raised in nice, nice areas. So they don't really live in that fear. So sometimes you're going to have to put yourself in that fear. And Joe, you hit on a big point about the gun. 
No, Martin probably wouldn't have pulled the gun, but there probably are people who would have because they're just not prepared for anything else. They're going to pull that gun and they're going to think they're going to get away with this. Um, you don't, the internet is not that big. All right. Believe me, there's so many things that have happened in the world and continually happen that don't make the news. When I was getting my car worked on a couple of weeks ago, there was a lady there and she's a low, she's been here forever. Not in my town, but the next town over. And she's one of these, she's in. I mean, she knows everything. She's got the scanner radios, all of that. She says, this town has been bad for many years. Okay. She said, but it doesn't make the news. Well, no. All we hear about is on WGN is Chicago stuff, right? Uh, you're not going to hear about what happens in these little communities. They don't make the news. And many times people might get robbed or assaulted and they don't even report it. Like Martin. Nobody knows about Martin's story until now. That didn't make the news. There's no police report over that. And, and, and this is the key that a lot of guys miss out on. You know, there's more crime than is reported. Any kind of crime, right? We know that. Because if the crime's reported, we know that that, that crime, there was a crime. So imagine how many crimes don't get reported. So no matter what the crime statistics are, it's always worse. It's never going to be better. It's always going to be worse. So there's a lot of drugs around here. And that's one of the negatives about the rural communities. I guess the fentanyl and the uh, obituates are uh, heroin and whatever, uh, opioids. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, they run rampant, right? And while you may not get some off-the-charts stuff, you, you, you do have a, a lot of that. And there's a lot of sex offenders, okay? You can look that up on the registry and shit. Um, so there's, there's crime everywhere. And you, got, you just got to be prepared for it. Just to bring it back a little bit towards um, the sporting aspect, because we talked about that before, too. Uh, there was a, a guy who is kind of famous for having lost like over 400 professional fights. Reggie Strickland. He, he was in Indiana, a guy from Indiana. And people like think that's a big joke. But if you look at his record, the number of times he's been knocked out is not that many. And he lost decisions going six rounds, not beyond that, because he wasn't, like, looking to challenge for the world championship. Is he a boxer? Yeah, yeah, Reggie okay. Strickland. He, he, yeah, you can look him up. He's a boxer. He was, he was a definition of a journeyman boxer. He'd show okay. up, do the fight, lose, and go home, collect the paycheck. But he was competent enough to where, like, the number of times he got knocked out wasn't that many, because if he got, he got knocked out 400 times, he'd be dead. Yeah. So, you know... To your point, like a certain amount of skill and preparation may be enough to uh, make a difference between, you know, severe damage and, and just making it another day at the office. Well, sure. And you don't, you know, in, in a street fight, generally, again, I, I always talk in generalities because there's so many different variants, variables. Um, you don't want to engage. You don't want to be deeply engaged like you would in a fight. Where you uh, like a, I mean, uh, in a competition, you know, um, we we discussed this on our when you came over to help film some of the membership video stuff. How uh, you can, in your grappling thing, think you're controlling the opponent, but you're really locking yourself up. You're 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 trapped. You know, if there's multiple assailants or something else, your goose is cooked. And it's the same with the grappling, or uh, with even with the striking. You know, in a street scenario, 
do your strikes, your punches, your kicks, whatever you feel you need to do. But don't get so wrapped up in it. Look for your excuse. Uh, look for your escape. Look to get out. Um, I think that's really important. You know, don't get so wrapped up in it is that you end up losing the bigger picture. And that's, you know, getting away uh, in one piece. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's the big thing. In my opinion. You know, and I want to kind of circle back to a couple of points that we talked about, how, about how, <clears throat> you know, you've always got to be on the watch. So as you know, I'm doing ER rotation shifts. Yeah. Uh, well, I saw a gunshot wound. Um, someone was brought into an ER. And like I said, this is in a nice Southwest suburb. I don't want to give too many specifics, but it looks like just a road rage thing, you know, not on the news, not big enough. I mean, it was just a, you know, and it's clear that this person had a gun and I don't know all the details. I don't know if he accidentally shot himself or was shot. Um, but it's, it, like I said, it was just the intersection they gave. It was like, oh yeah, this is, that's actually a fairly nice area. <laughs> you know, yeah, it didn't well. matter. This guy was driving through clearly. I mean, when they, they were brought into the ER, we saw the holster. There was no gun, but at least he had a gun and he was shot. And so it, yeah, I mean, we always talk about the city and clearly the city's concentrated with a lot of people and there's obviously a lot more poor people there. So it's clear a lot of stuff's going to make the news, but um, be aware, you know, even at an intersection. And I think everybody who's probably listening to this podcast who follows us probably knows, but it's just a, it's just a very sober reminder. Um, you know, you know, Martin was in, in the last week, you know, was involved in some violence and I got to see some secondhand violence. I mean, it's, it's around there. It's not far from us and be very aware of it. Um, and the other thing I kind of want to take back to Martin, to your point about how everybody wants to hit him. I have a theory <laughs> and it's not what you think. I think it's jealousy, honestly. And it put it, it actually, it came to me yesterday. I was like, Martin reminds me of somebody and I was listening to a podcast about movies and they were talking about this one movie and all of a sudden they mentioned the actor Hugh Grant. And I'm like, that's it. He totally reminds me of a Hugh Grant. He's so Joey from Friends. No, 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 no. Hugh Grant, totally. I see Hugh Grant. We'll have to put it up to, you know what, people in the commenters and the YouTube, let's, we should have, have a vote. Is it more Joey from Friends or Hugh Grant? Maybe, it, he, maybe he's aged into a more mature Hugh Grant. But that's you know, what I definitely see. I always used to get the John Travolta thing. So the other day I happened to, I had to go to the postal office uh, and there was a younger girl that I never saw her before. And she had the pierced nose and the pierced, you know, all. And she goes to me, I don't know her. And she goes, you know, you look like a younger version of Gene Simmons. I said, oh, well, dude, I'm not I'm gonna, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm not going to stick my tongue out at you, but yeah. <laughs> so I never got, well, that's why I tell you not to go out in the makeup when you go to the post office. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So that's an interesting. No, but Joey, he's always gotten that. Martin, many, many, many years ago, Martin and I went to a singles dance, like, you know, to meet girls. It was some mixer. Do you remember that? I think it was at Joe uh, at, on Weeds or something. Remember, Martin? Yeah, we've gone through a couple of weird things like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a big disaster. Oh, yeah, well, but, but we found the Lord together, right? Martin and I, I think there was a whole bunch of us at my apartment for like a UFC or whatever it was. Martin and I go into my other office there. I had a little off, like one bedroom was in the office. And uh, we became the official legal 
ordained ministers with the Universal Life Church. Isn't that the truth? I still have the certificate. Absolutely. Yeah, I lost it, was like, it, it only cost $5. It was like the best money I've ever spent. Oh, yeah. 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 No, no. That's cl- Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Martin and I have gone through some. Oh, well, there you go. I think your money problems are over. Why don't you start a church? I know you've got some probably some tax exemptions you could go on. Yeah. Like the, the line. Yeah. The Church of the Good Hustler, you know, like Matt <laughs> Steady Felsen. You know, uh, what's interesting about all the, you know, like, like I said, the street fights or the, you know, they, they really can happen anywhere. Uh, But most importantly is, again, I want to tell people just because you don't hear it. Okay. I was talking to somebody and her, her, well, all right. I'm not going to mention the cities, but her daughter lives in this one town about a half hour from here. I know the town. And she's like, I said, well, you got to watch. Yeah, there's some sketchy areas. Well, she's looking it up on Wikipedia or whatever it was. Well, it's like, she's like, it's considered like uh, like the number 10 or 12 safest city in Illinois. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then she goes, um, then she goes to me, she goes, you know what? No. And then she goes, oh, you know what number one safest is? I'm like, what? She goes, Winnetka. I said, oh, well, that's a lot of money. And then she's like, yeah, but I, then she goes, yeah, but I don't, I don't see Winnetka being like the safest. I'm like, no, wait a minute. You were just chewing me out because I said the other city, you thought it was so safe. And I said, it isn't. So now, now you see that these statistics, you know, may be manipulated and shit like that. Uh, But yeah, the, the statistics are, I mean, I'm not saying you throw them all out, but. You have to take it all with a grain of salt. Um, and the cops play with the statistics all the time, depending on their political agenda. You know, that's well oh, known ab- in Chicago. Absolutely. Well, here, for example, uh, Martin, uh, and so I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong or if it's changed, but like, let's say a shooting or a mugging, whatever, something happens on the, uh, the, the tollway, like on, on, on I-90, that doesn't get reported. To, that's not in the Chicago police statistics. That's Illinois that's right, State. That's yeah, right. But but it happened in Chicago. So, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of a lot of manipulation that can go on. And it's not just Chicago. This is nationwide. Um, but, yeah, so don't don't get all wrapped up in there. Just assume that wherever you're at, bad things can happen, because all it takes is one guy or one gal or one thing, you know, one chain of events. And then, it, you know, the ball gets rolling. Uh there was just a shootout here in McHenry, Illinois. That, that's not my town, but the, it, it happened like maybe less than a year ago where 50 shots, 50, 5-0, were, were spewed between two cars. And they eventually caught the people, but they weren't from here. They were from, I believe, Waukegan. I don't know what the hell happened, but it was a road thing, road, road rage thing. I'm watching because there's a there's a there's a pickup truck driving slowly through the, the street here, so I'm always aware of that. But anyway, yeah, even though so these folks that did the shooting weren't from this neighborhood or this area, this this town, even this county, but yet it still happened in this county. And thankfully, nobody else got hit. You know, no innocent person got um, got shot up. So you just never know. You know where? You know, you just don't know. The other thing that um, you know, I wanted to point out, because if you're not 
if you don't live in the United States, you might have just assumed that it's kind of a free for all everywhere. You can just bring guns everywhere and defend yourself that way. Number one, you're not going to want to carry a gun everywhere anyway, because, you know, that, that's a whole new level of preparation. You might as well go to Ukraine and start fighting Putin. <laughs> and then there's a lot of just places where you're not allowed to bring a gun. Like your workplace might say you're not allowed to bring a gun in. So now what are you going to do? You're going to travel to work and bring a gun and then try to ditch it somewhere. Like it's, it's not possible to just rely on guns for self-defense. It's just not feasible. It's not allowed everywhere. So you have to have like kind of a more comprehensive view on your safety. It can't be just like, well, I'm just going to pack a gun everywhere I go. That's not legal. Well, I think that stems from fear, uh, you know, in lack of confidence and in, in capabilities in yourself. And now this will be very controversial, what I'm about to say here. Um, I think it also, and I've talked about it before, you put such a value on your life um, that, you know, in, in the scheme of things, most of us, life's going to go on without us. We're not that important to the world. We're, 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 simp- we're just not. So I think if you take care of your business, meaning if you're a married man with kids, make sure you have a, a sufficient life insurance policy. So if you do croak, they're going to be covered. They're going to be taken care of. Make sure all of that shit's behind you. And then you won't freak out so much. If you feel your life's in jeopardy, I'm not going to say you're not going to get nervous or this or that, but it's like, all right, okay, if it's my time, it's my time. I'm I'm going to go out my way. And I just see a lot of guys that, you know, that I, that I've met um, that are, they live in fear. They live in hatred. They hate everybody. That's not just like them. Uh, And that's, you know, they, they, they look for that symbolism or that Linus blanket, right? Linus from the, the peanuts thing. And that's what you're referring to, Martin, with guns everywhere. And a few weeks ago, uh, I don't know when it was, a month ago or something, somebody out here was bitching about Chicago with the violence. I'm like, you know, the guns and all that. I said, there's more guns out here than there are in Chicago. I said, right now, right where we're at, we were in a public place. This is I'll bet you 80, 85, 90% of these people are packing right now. I said, that doesn't happen in the city. Chicago, I don't know what people, I don't know a lot of people that, that carry a weapon on them, concealed carry. So, uh, I said, so, so get that shit out of your head that you think it's Chicago because, you know, it'll happen here. Uh, and I think if you did the statistics, it would probably back that up because um, Chicago's the third largest city in America, population-wise. So, yeah, you're going to have a lot more of everything, okay? Not just shootings, but you're going to have a lot more, if, if they're reported on this, there's a hell of a lot more Good Samaritan stories in Chicago than there is in a town of 1,000 people. It's just strictly numbers. It's a numbers game. So don't get wrapped up in that. Uh and I concur with, with Martin, some of the most, like bars, you're not supposed to have, you can't bring a gun in a bar. And a lot of times when there's alcohol, you know, trouble starts, but that's, you don't want a gun there. Okay. Uh, you're not supposed to bring, bring guns into um, courthouses and things like that, at least here. I don't know what it's like in other states. So yeah, people around the world, we're not, it's not the old West, even though some people want to make it like that. We're not all cowboys, you know, with, with the guns 
blazing and shit. You got Martin, something to say? I was going to say, Martin, before you answer, could you do me a favor and, and answer this next part in a British accent? Right. You know, uh, I, I used to, there used to be a, a homeless guy in front of one of the Walgreens and I would run by him. So he used to call me old Rocky. He said, oh, you look just like Sylvester Stallone, but in one of the old uh, movies where he's old. So <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking that maybe I look like an ugly Hugh Grant. Yeah, well, the, you're, yeah, I think you got the ugly part. That's, you got that down. So you're almost there. Maybe you're kind of all things to all people, whatever they need to project, whatever they need to see in that moment, whether it's an old Rocky or a Hugh Grant or a Joey, you are all things. So that's well, yeah, definitely I, at least damaged I was, in some way. I was told I was a young, younger Gene Simmons. So that, that kind of, that's okay. Is there any good Gene Simmons? I ask, I don't know. <laughs> He's a hundred years old by now, right? So you have to be young. He's not 100 years old. I actually don't think he drinks. I don't think he, I think he's he's probably in his 60s or something. But you know who's old is that Mick Jagger. Oh my God. He's like almost 80, isn't he? 78. Yeah. I think that was like the the crypt keeper. Yeah. Most of the stones are. It's, it's, it's amazing that, I mean, that, that, so there are so many of them left. Uh, Are they starting to die? They lost their drummer recently, but uh, I got a chance to see them. Ray Liotta. Okay, so I texted you, Joe, when he died. Uh, what a shocker that is. I liked him. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, I've seen it's It's kind of, well, it's, it's a reminder. We're all getting older, man, because I, I remember seeing him. I forgot that he was in Field of Dreams, you know, because I think oh, yeah. I, most everybody knows him from Goodfellas. I mean, that was like kind of the thing that made him huge. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird looking back over the photos and seeing kind of seeing him age and it's like oh gosh yeah and i just saw him i think there was a sopranos movie um on hbo like they kind of did like a, a a prequel where they're doing like tony soprano's story of him growing up and he was in there um but yeah it's it's yeah it's just a reminder i don't think he was really italian i think if i remember correctly he may be irish or something he was adopted so i think if I, unless i'm getting him mixed up with somebody else but I think Leota was his adopted parent's name. So I'm not sure that he was Italian. Not, not that it matters. I'm just, you know, because he kind of gets affiliated with all those, you know, Joe Pesci and, you know, all the guys, you know, the mob guys kind of thing. Um, You're absolutely right. He was abandoned in an orphanage. Yeah, see, that, that's, that's another thing. You know, you know how many kids are in orphanages? I, I had a friend that, that was like that, him and his brother. You know, everybody says, oh, just, you know, whatever. Yeah, a lot, lot, lot of, there's a lot of, lot of tragedy and a lot of heartache in this world, um, in this country. But so I did. So let's talk about my job thing. So I went, they were looking for a head instructor, this and that. <clears throat> I made up a resume. I, I changed it since you, I sent it to you, Joe, but I've, I've changed it. Uh and it's it's nice cover letter. I think it's all good. Covers everything. Um, so if they're ever going to make a life story about me once I'm dead, just give them my resume. They can fill in the blank. So, uh, but this was it, it. There's they're wonderful people, husband and wife, wonderful, wonderful people. I'll probably be mentioning them down the line. I told them, I 
I said I'll help promote your school once it's open as much as I can. But you know, for me to work there, the the main thing there's just a lot of things that won't pan out financially or benefit wise. And just, you know, I can't teach my st- style of fighting whatsoever. Okay. I'd have to be like retrained in the franchises system. And while I've done, I, I told him in theory, I have zero problems with that because like when I used to be a jobbing musician, I was a guy, I was jazz hardcore, but I, to tell you the truth, I didn't play that many jazz gigs compared to everything else. In Cleveland, a lot of polkas, rock, uh, weddings. In Chicago, same thing. Country, rock, polkas, wedding music, and now and then jazz. Um, but this is a different scenario. This is when you're when you're proclaiming to be a martial arts school. Well. You know, boastfully or not, I think what I know is is is, is the best in the world. I mean, I can st- stack it up with anyone, but I'm certainly not going to retard my my. Uh, in essence, it's not just me. It's like they the organization I think wants they, they want to know you're a martial artist, but they don't care about anything else. You could be the greatest. You could be Bruce Lee. It wouldn't matter. You can't do your Bruce Lee thing. You can't do the things that made you Bruce Lee. You can't do the things that made you Mike Tyson. Or, you know, whoever. Uh, so it's kind of like, you know, again, I don't have a problem showing stuff. And I told him this. I said, but I will not teach a move that I think would we, would be harmful to someone that would get them, you know, uh, killed or injured. I, I have no idea what the curriculum is. I just saw a few video clips on YouTube and I'm like, yeah, this is, it's, 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 it's commercial. Okay. It's, it's Lawrence Well. So, um, that's just, but I really wish I could help these people. I really do. But I, it's just that it wouldn't work out. So, uh, so I had to say no, but um, I got a, I got a phone or interview, internet video interview or an internet or a video, I'll get this right. A video interview on Tuesday and Wednesday, not nothing martial arts related. And then um, I'm waiting for a call back. I talked to some girl at LA fitness she called me and she was supposed to have her vice president call me. So I'm waiting to hear back from LA fitness. I don't know if they're going to call. I would assume that would have gotten the call Thursday or Friday, but it's a holiday weekend. Uh, but the one interview probably won't work because they're going to want me to do work weekends and I can't work weekends because I don't want to make an official announcement yet until everything is for sure. But it looks like I'm going to start doing seminars at least once a month. On the south side of south, like Naperville, Illinois area, we're still trying to get that all pieced together, um, which would be terrific. And uh, so, and I'm hoping that that will grow to at least two or three nights or two or three times a month or Saturdays and, you know, two or three Sundays a month or and or adding in Saturdays. Um, cause for sure that would help me financially, but it would also get me get Chicago needs this now, this reality stuff. So we need it. And, and I guess that's my point about the martial arts or a martial arts school. Uh, this is my last chance at anything. Cause I'm getting older. It's hard for, you know, how things are. And 
for many years, I put my passion to the back burner. Okay. I had to teach guys who wanted to learn sport aspects and I had to modify my stuff or can't show you this because it's against the rules. And I just want to be open and just be able to teach what I teach, just what I know in my mind, because no one, not you, Martin, not you, Joe, not Costa, not Javier, no one has learned my full system. Okay. Nope. Everyone's learned certain things, but nobody's, nobody's learned it all. And uh, hang on. Um, nobody's, nobody's learned it all. And, and, and especially the self-defense aspects of it. And for all of you people out there, I got an email many years ago from somebody. And I, and I think that they were on an internet forum at that moment that they emailed me about self-defense techniques. And this guy said, Tony, you're a self-defense guy. Isn't it true that you don't really need to know that many moves like, like, a, like an MMA guy would need to know? And he didn't like my response, I'm sure, because I never heard from him again. I said, you need to know everything an MMA guy needs to know and more. Okay. See, the, the biggest mistake with self-defense like real self-defense. And I'm not talking about like what happened to Martin where you just defended yourself and got out of there. Uh, you don't know what you're going to come up against. Okay. So to think that you're going to rely on what they used to call tricks, a trick, it's not going to happen. You've got to develop the fundamentals, the reflex, the conditioning physically and mentally for that. So like Martin with the, with the moves, you know, the blocks and the most self-defense schools aren't going to teach that. They're going to teach the trick. The trick's not going to work if you can't get, get it, you know, if you can't pull it off. So the key to learning self-defense that's an effective self-defense is not prearranged moves. Sure, you can practice scenarios, but it's getting that physical independence, okay, that you can create on the fly. And it's just like practicing music, okay? So... It's all of those underlying principles of keeping your hands up, keeping your chin down, the angles, the movement, the in and out, the up and down, the sideways, whatever, and the same on the ground. And that's what I want. That's what I want to do. I I mean, I want to, I want to, if anything, kind of revolutionize it again, because people need to know that not these tricks, you know, not like this simple gun disarm or a knife disarm, the act of disarming someone isn't the problem. You're just not going to get to the gun. You're not going to get to that knife (laughs) unless you know all this other kind of stuff. So like Joe, when I don't want to give this away to the people who are on the membership site, because they'll eventually see the video, but I pulled a little surprise on you. As you know, when you were here the other day, last weekend, when we were filming, it's stuff like that. That's self-defense. It's, it, it, it's, you know, so I want to be able to do that. Uh, I'm going to be doing it at this Naperville thing because they're a bunch of Krav Maga guys, you know, and I've trained them before, some of them. I, I don't know if there'll be new ones. And, you know, that's, that's my bag. It's all about reality for me. And uh, so I don't see an option or an opportunity for me to teach and make a living at a martial arts school this would have been okay. This, this thing I applied for on Friday or interviewed, but there's just financially there was things, but 
yeah, if I could teach full time somewhere, that'd be great. But you know, it's going to cost a lot of money to bring me in. You know, and most people can't do that. Unfortunate. I know we want to talk, give an update on um, your mother's situation, but maybe on the next podcast we should kind of lead with this that um, you know you're now available. Yeah. You know, and so I know a lot of people have been kind of chomping at the bit to either come train or have you come out, you know, fly you out for seminars or whatever, come train. Well, now the time's available. So that, that moment, the, you know, this is the time. Well, uh, uh, yeah. And I, we'll talk about that next week, but let's just leave it with the, uh, if you're wherever Topeka, Kansas, or, you know, I've got to get a job job and it's got to happen now. So my ability to do long like seminars in California or whatever, you know what I'm saying, far away, probably not going to happen unless you unless I get a whole group of people immediately. Let's say I had 20 seminars lined. Well, not even 20. It'd be it had to be a lot more than that. 40 lined up, um, you know, one a week. 50 weeks, 52 weeks a year. So say 50 seminars lined up so I could do a seminar every, every week, then it would be financially viable for me. Okay. Um, Or get 25 schools to bring me out twice a year. That's 50 or, you know, whatever the math works out so that I can, I can make a substantial living. So people have to realize if you're completely self-employed, like I used to be, you got to pay for your own health insurance and all of that, all that adds up. So you may think, Oh man, you know, I just had to pay him X amount of money. That's expensive. It's well, it's the way life is, you know, um, advertise, get your students, get, get the, get the people to come. And you can actually make money. If you're a school owner and you're a good promoter, if I tell you I want, let's say, two grand or whatever, 2,500, whatever the number is, well, and you make, you, you, you make sales of 4,000, you, you just made pretty much as much as I did just for bringing me in. So it could be a motivator for you as well. Um, that's how it used to be with these schools. That was the whole point. Rarely did a school bring in an instructor just to bring them in, unless they were like an affiliate school, uh, you know, which is again, another possibility, but uh, yeah, things, things have opened up for me in that regard. I'm able to technically leave the house and and travel, but I mean, you know, right now, if I get a job, I will be here night, hopefully a Monday through Friday gig, you know, in the, in corporate America. And so I won't be able to be, uh, you know, flying a lot of places unless it's in and out, you know, fly me in Friday night or early Saturday, do the seminar Saturday and fly me back or fly me back on a Sunday, that kind of jazz. But yeah, I think it's a good point that if people are going to do it sooner than later is, is the, is the issue because once you get locked, you know, cause you need, obviously you guys got to eat. Right. And if you get a job, that's going to limit your ability to go out there. So right now you have some flexibility, but that window is going to close very quickly. Well, I kind of upset a friend of mine, a guy that came out here to train because, you know, about training. I'm like, look, just stop saying you want to train with me. Just pay, sign up, 
pay me the money, and then train. Too many people just keep saying, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, and they don't. Those days are gone. Okay. I told this guy, I'm done teaching. Okay. Because I'm tired of chasing the money. There's people out there that still owe me money. That'll never happen again. I will never, if anybody wants to train, you got to pay up front, full, got to pay it. But if you're going to do it, just do it. Okay. I mean, yeah, we've been saying this for how long, how many years now, Joe, don't put it off because Tony's not going to be around forever. Meaning not even dying, but just, you know, the, you know, if everybody keeps putting it off, well, I'm not getting any income. That, that That's one of the problems with this martial arts school. I just mentioned, he's not going to open. They're targeting it as, as August. I can't go two months without any income here. I, I how am I going to pay the rent? You know? So, and I, and I said it nicely. I, I can't go two months because if I said yes to the job, I've, I've, I have to remove myself from, from, from the job market now. Right. I can't take another job. That's, that's, that, that would be dishonest. <clears throat> so I can't go two months without a job. So you'd have to take what I would make those two months and deduct it from the salary because I'm not going to make it. Right. I'm not going to be getting paid for two months. So I'd have to sit here twiddling my thumbs and beg my landlord and not evict me. And then when you factor in the health insurance, because the premium wasn't going to cover enough, I'd I'd have had to pay a huge chunk, not going to do it. And then no vacation, all this stuff. So, yes, if you do, if you are really interested, you got to jump on it immediately. Or if you want to come out here for the three to five day training, you better sign up this week. I mean, it's sincerely, you, you better sign up this week because um, I'm not going to be doing it. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I've sacrificed a lot through the years and that's all the sacrifice now is done. I, I got to get myself back on my feet. I, I got to get refreshed mentally and, uh, I'm actually quite excited to, you know, if I have to get out of the the teaching business, except for these weekend local seminars, which I'll never quit doing. um, We just need other schools locally to jump on that as well. That's what we need to focus on next week talking about. But I am actually kind of looking to get into a little bit of corporate America, because when I see Martin or you, and you guys are pretty successful, you, you know, you live in nice places and you got families and all of that jazz, a lot of stuff that I, you know, I, I missed out on. Yeah, I think it'd be great, you know, uh, especially if it's like a sales oriented thing. Um, I mean, not straight commissions or anything. I've been I've been doing straight commissions for 30 years in this business. I don't want a commission only job. (laughs) I want to know what I'm making this month. (laughs) But if there's added commissions, that would be terrific. You know, I want to I want to finally earn a, a comfortable a comfortable living and then I can get my face. I can get Botox. Like you do, Joe, you know, you get these Botox injections. Well, I want to get those Botox injections too. Well, and, and I was thinking what the people don't, you know, people don't understand how much just your makeup alone costs month to month. I mean, that's not free. No. And your stylist, your hairstylist, talk about him. Right. And I mean, but I mean, to your other point, I mean, a lot of people think of you obviously as just, you know, either, you know, like a rock star, like Gene Simmons, you know, or a fighter. But, um, you know, in all honesty, there's things I didn't realize, you know, you put together the website, 
You know, you manage your own website. You do technical things. You've built a Pac-Man machine. You have you have other interests outside of the music and fighting. You know, and uh, jobs you could work. And I think this is an opportunity to explore that. And you know, and yeah, uh, you know, talking about getting into corporate America, I think there are things that would be really rewarding for you. I think you people, you know, you think you sell yourself short. You've got a lot of diverse skill sets and things that you could offer. So I think, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what, what, what turns up for you. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll pick this up then, I guess, next week. Um, and I, I hope, I hope we see Martin again, if not next week soon, be, you know, and tell us more about your street fights because yeah, tell you know, us who else assaults you in the next coming weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It, it, it seems like it's a popular occupation right now to try to take a swing at Martin. So maybe we I'll should just follow stories. you with the camera or just send you down the street and see. Just... <laughs> Martin, did you have that arm up yet? Uh, no, no, that, that's going to be a project. I, I'm, I intend to go to Home Depot today and get some tools to um, explore what's behind uh, drywall. Like <clears throat> what I have is like a standing kind of like a giant Q-tip uh, bag for, for hitting. And I'm trying to gravitate, I'm gravitating towards installing an actual heavy bag and hanging it. But um, where I live, it's a house where floors are shared between the units because it's like a detached, it's not a detached home. It's a row house, which means if I hang it on my ceiling, my neighbor is going to feel it if I'm going to punch a bag. So instead I'm trying to kind of get an arm hanging off the wall, which and will not transmit any vibrations. This is all way too much engineering. If there was a decent boxing gym around and I could just go see Tony at a boxing gym once a week, that'd be perfectly fine. But instead, I got to get creative. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, no, guys, I want to thank you both for all the, you know, sticking up for me. And, you know, uh, Brian sent me, t- uh, Deneve sent me an email or a text yesterday you know, about my mom and that was nice. So thank you there, Brian. And yeah, let's hope that um, a couple of the other martial art guys that, you know, we work with and, you know, that we, we, you know, Jason Bender's gym and, you know, Josh Bassini and whatever that we, we try to promote and, and, uh, and even um, uh, Rick Solo, you know, maybe I can start doing things with them. That was, you know, hopefully the plan in the past and they're great martial arts schools. They're great martial artists. And we always recommend, that you go train at those schools whenever you get a chance, you know, Josh is 10th planet jujitsu and Bender martial arts. And uh, what's the name of Rick Solo's gym? The Akai Academy. Yeah. So, you know uh, yeah, it would be nice if I could do one seminar at each of those schools, including the neighborhood one once a week. Uh, yeah. One, once a month at each school, that would be four seminars a month for me locally. Um, if something like that happened, then, you know, that would be bring in a large chunk of money, hopefully for me. And, and then I could do like a part-time job during the week. And then I, then I, you know, I could still continue to train people from distance more you know, with less strain on me. So, but who knows? It's all, see, everything is out of my hands. And that, that's like my friend Scott used to get so frustrated for me. He's like, regarding my mom because everything was out of my hands I, I could never be in control of anything so this is all out of my hands uh but one thing is in my hands and that's tomorrow i'm going back to starting to lift weights again because i haven't been able to work out so starting tomorrow or worst case wednesday which is the first june 1st 
I'm a numbers guy. So I'm going to start lifting again. Uh, not heavy or anything like that. I obviously can't risk getting hurt now. But uh, And then maybe, too, on our own, independently, with Martin's help and everybody else's, maybe we'll film a video in, in the summer now sometime at, at somebody's gym and market it on my website. You know, downloads only. I won't go through all the DVD thing and, you know, see how that works because – you know, the BJJ Fanatics was, was was a simple setup equipment. They just had one camera, and it really was about the level of the camera that I have and and a and a microphone. I mean, not even a boom mic. So that we we obviously have that. So that would be kind of easy to do. But we'll see. And I want to get working out again and uh get 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 that going. Okay. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks, Martin, for joining. I really appreciate you showing up. So I didn't just have to talk to Tony. Uh, <laughs> and, I know uh, how boring that can be. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, guys, have a great Memorial Day, and it was good talking to you all. So before we hang up, so this guy, he walks into his bar, and he's got these these three ducks. Okay. So is this a true story? And the and the bar the bartender said, no, 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 no animals. You can't bring any animals in here. He's like, look, look, I don't want to stay. I just need to use the bathroom. He says, these are trained ducks. They won't cause any problems. Just I'll only I'll just be a short time. He's like, all right, all right. So the ducks jump up on the bar stool. And uh, the one duck looks at the bartender is like, hey, man. Bartender looks, he's like, you, you talk? And he's like, yeah, we're we're trained. And he goes, well, what's your name? And the first duck says, my name is Huey. He goes, well, Huey, how was your day? He said, it was great. Blue skies. I was playing in puddles all day. He goes to the next duck. He's like, what's your name? He goes, my name is Louie. He goes, well, Louie, how was your day? He says, well, just like Huey's, you know, blue skies, playing in puddles all day. Bartender goes up to the third duck, says, let me guess, your name is Dewey. The third duck says, no, my name's Puddles. Don't ask me how my day was. All right. Nice. All right, guys. I will see you. Happy Memorial Day. Bye.